but at least I want to pursue something here. Walk us through something that I think is a has been, at least for a good couple of decades, a prevailing way of thinking or a line of reasoning that, as I'll say toward the end, is actually starting to change. But that still doesn't mean we shouldn't know something about it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move right through into this with definitions because it is often wise to start by defining some terms. Always a good plan. So these are key terms that we will talk about and terms that you no doubt already are well aware of, but even terms used a lot, sometimes you gotta pause and still define them. Because a lot of people throw a lot of words around for years and <laughs> realize at some point, I've never actually defined that or known what it's supposed to mean. I just use it a lot anyway. So what do we mean here? Here are the terms sexual orientation and sexual identity. I'll abbreviate them in the interest of space, SO and SI. What are they? Orientation simply refers to inclination, predilection, urge, desire, proclivity, romantic attraction. It can mean any and all those things. And then identity runs deeper. It has to do more clearly with who you are. And they will often combine uh, a person's orientation with the person's gender identity to form what they will say is their sexual identity. But for all practical purposes, it seems clear to me now, just in ongoing discussions and paying attention to media articles and all this, that the two, these two are, have been conflated so that really I think people now just suppose that orientation equals identity. Is, is that fair to say? Do you think that's largely the case? It's my impression anyway. When you talk, so now when people talk about orientation, I think they have almost presumed as part of their meaning, as part of their definition of it, that it is your identity. So, now thinking about these terms, think with me now about a few, and there are just a few, standard categories, that is, standard orientations, which are typically abbreviated, or I mean made into an, an, ac or an acronym, I should say, and you all know what those precious letters are <laughs> that are used so often now, don't you? And they are what? There you go. Now, for the sake... For simplicity's sake, at first, I'm just going with the big four. Okay, I'm just going with the big four. And there's a couple of add-ons. We'll talk about, you know, whatever those are. But I think these are the big four, the privileged four. We know these. Everybody knows these. You can't get very far outside your house or the Internet without seeing it hearing about it, people talking about it, hearing debates about it, discussing it, and so on. So these are the few the crowd. But let me, um, just, just so we know what they are, I think you know, but just to be clear, the L and the G are two sides of the same coin, right? They're just essentially, this is just uh, homosexuality, whether it's male or female, there's the L and the G. The B is kind of tricky. It's sort of like both. The T, I'm not sure that's even an orientation. Although, er, although originally I think T was used as transsexual, now when I see it, it's almost always transgender when you see people spell it out. And transgender, I don't know if that's even an orientation. But straight, long ago, I think like in the 60s or the first time people ever began to ever use this kind of thing, they would put the S on it sometimes. But that's just assumed. And as we, as I heard when I asked you a minute ago, uh, there's often a Q stuck there now, which I've seen as queer or questioning. And I've started to see I tagging along too. LGBTI or QI or whatever. So intersex, I think, is what that usually is. I'm, and I don't know, stay tuned, they could grow. But I'm a, but here, but here, stay tuned for right now because it's about to grow by leaps and bounds. And I'm trying just to prepare you for this, let me ask you this question. 
these are certainly orientations just by the definition I gave, which is to say, there certainly are people who feel these inclinations, are there not? I mean, we're, you know, we're in New Orleans, right? You wouldn't have to walk too far to find somebody who has all manner of desires or urges, right? More than just what's on this screen, right? More than just what's on this screen. How many more? Well, buckle up, kids. I'm going to get to a lot of them. Now, to say something about this, the idea for, for as I said, for a good, I don't know, a good 20 years, probably more, has been that orientation is identity, and because it is, it is fixed. Fixed from the start and throughout. Cannot change, therefore should not change. Trying to change it is wrong-headed, maybe dangerous to the person, bad science, psychologically damaging, maybe cruel and abusive, and certainly bigoted and hateful, and maybe some other negative things too, besides. So that has been the idea, has it not, for, for many years now? We've sort of been facing that as a, as a presupposed notion in the culture, that that's how this is. Now, I said a second ago, and I'll be reiterating this, that believe it or not, this doctrine, which we've lived with now for so long, may be starting to change on their side. I mean, the, the advocates the advocates who have been in this camp for so long, some of them are starting to defect and say, you know, I don't think I actually believe this anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little more toward the end here. But, but I think when we're out and about in the world, we still will face largely people who take that this top paragraph for granted, I think. So let's think it through because you know from the start you, something in, in the mind of I mean most most people raised in a traditional Christian setting they they, they suspect there's, there's something uh, there's certainly a number of things that are problematic here. You don't always know necessarily what or how to go about it and obviously there's also the intimidation factor because I mean for crying out loud are you ready for, you know are you really prepared for the, the, the firestorm, uh, the fecal storm, we might say, that comes your way. Well, um, so other here, here's my list, and let me say a couple things about it. Now, I'm giving you fair warning. There's just no, there's just no family-friendly way to, uh, to to proceed through this reasoning process without just facing head-on uh, many things that you know you. You don't necessarily wake up in the morning and want to think that much about. But all of these would be things listed by the APA and other groups. They're all real things, that is to say, people, there are people for each of these. Now they don't always list them like I have because I'm I'm trying I'm trying to stick with the uh, to stick with the program here of coming up with a, a longer acronym. So I'm using the first letter of these, you see what I mean? And that's my thing. I'm not saying I do it. The APA doesn't do this necessarily. So I'm doing this for a, for a point because because I, wanna, I want to show that you know we have, the acronym is the way to do it apparently. So I'm simply adding to the acronym. And each letter represents yet another orientation. I think you know what most of these are. I will not belabor them. Okay, no slide, no, no images. Okay, this is what this is, and you know what we're talking about here. And and again, there would be people. Let me ask you. We'll come. I'll, I'll I'll ask you a question here. Are those things on that page not? Are they not inclinations or desires or urges that some people would have? They are like it or not, whether we know people like this or not, people exist who have all of those urges and, in fact, end up doing all of those things. Do they feel them any less strongly? I mean, I think that 
people who do some of those things do them. They're not. They do them because they genuinely they they have some kind of desire. Some, something in them wants that kind of gratification. And by the definition I gave in the beginning, that makes those things orientations. Again, we're just being definitional here. They're orientations. So, keep following me here. This is a disclaimer that's very important to make in a discussion about these matters. That is, would most LGBT advocates be against many of the things on that list? Probably most. Would they, would they be against those things? Most of them would certainly be against those things. I've talked to a lot of people, and they're not for those things. Most of those things, they'd say, oh, that's terrible. Oh, I'm against that. I'm not, I wouldn't. And, and why is this important, by the way, to really, in fact, chances are in discussion, you're going to have to hit this point. You're going to have to reiterate this like a dozen times. Because for some reason, there's just a built-in knee-jerk tendency when you start to, to reason along these lines for the person you're talking with that they represent kind of advocacy for you know, gay rights. The tendency on their part is to immediately be offended and assume that you're either accusing them of one or more of those things, calling them some kind of wild, crazy, insane pervert, or you're at least saying, you like those things. You're for those things. So it's good to lay that aside. Set that to one side and get it out of your way. No, I don't think you're for those things. I take you at your word that you don't like most of those things, that you've got a real moral problem with most of those things, that you would not advocate for most of those things. And make it as clear as you can. And even then, they may come back a little bit later and act again as if you're accusing them of being for them. You've got to keep making this clear. No, I'm not saying that. That is not my point here. Keep your eye on the ball. Okay, that's not what we're saying. So they would be against most of those things. That is not the issue. Here is the issue. On what basis can just the privilege to view orientations get to be on the stage, in the print, exalted, protected, celebrated, endorsed? Why do they get all that when the long list of letters gets left behind, cast out, forgotten? What about their rights? Now, I'm playing a little bit of you know, this is devil's advocacy here, right? But it has a purpose. You already sense it, don't you? You, you're, you're, you know, your logical, uh, your logic bone, right? You're, you're going, ah, okay, I, I smell what you're cooking here. Nevertheless, I want to lay it out for you in a little more formal way. Now, don't get, don't get scared. There's a lot of words. I, I normally would never put this many words on any slide, but I just have to. But just hang with me. I want to put this in, in a way that I hope is carefully and clearly done to put it in, the, in what looks like the form of an argument, which I think uh, we, can, we can walk through, and I hope that, it, that its purpose is clear enough and that it, it can accomplish its purpose. So let's think it through. We've already talked about most of this. So number one, this is premise number one. So sexual orientation, calling it SO here, is defined by inclination or attraction. We got that, OK? Sexual identity includes SO as an integral part. So, as we said in the beginning, orientation equals identity as far as it goes for most people. <coughs> as such, number three, SI is inborn and intrinsic. This is part of who you are. It's a fundamental part of you. Therefore, cannot be changed. Number four is a moral premise. This is important. This is a moral premise. It's a key one. To fail to accept premise three, which is that this is inborn and intrinsic, to fail to accept that by attempting to alter it somebody's, that's wrong. Should not do that. Now, so far, I think this is just straight up orthodoxy in our culture. Okay, so, but now let's move. Now, now, based on based on these disturbing <laughs> this this long chain of <coughs> other orientations, the ones that got left behind. They include, but are not limited to, all of those on my previous slide. The, the long list of, of orientations that, that certain people have. Now, let's go back through. Now, the next four match up with the first four. 
So, look at premise six. Based on number one, all of those attractions represented in that long list in five, they're all orientations. Premise seven. Based on number two, all of those orientations that are represented in the long list, they're also the identities of people. They're integral to people. They are fundamentally part of who they are. Now to number eight. Going back to three, based on three, all of those identities expressed by all those attractions in the long list, they are all inborn and intrinsic parts of who they are, and they cannot be changed. And now our conclusion is the moral one that matches four. Remember, that was the moral premise. Here's a, this is a moral statement here. So based on number four, that it's wrong to try to change it. If we fail to accept number eight, which is that all those, you know, if we fail to accept that, we try to alter any one of them, that's wrong. You can't do it and you ought not do it. I mean, why try? And it might even be dangerous and you shouldn't do it, that sort of thing. Now, would most people, if you didn't build this argument and you just and you just took the view that nine expresses, the, the conclusion there expresses, you just took it by itself without building to it. Most advocates, again, would not agree with it. If you said to them, you know, you know, all these things, all the disturbing ones, you know, that we saw, uh, all of them are fundamental parts of who all of those people are, and you know, we should never try to change them. Those people would say, oh, yes, we should. I mean, a bunch of those are wrong. We should try to change them. So they wouldn't agree with nine. But you see that, I mean, the reasoning here, I think this is sound. I, mean, I, I don't think... I think that logically, based on their, again, based on their prior reasoning, based on their orthodoxy, one through four, I think nine, they must accept it. So now we have a problem, in it, and this is a good discomfort. Like he said last night, this is a big stone in their shoe, and now they've got to work this out. Right? Now, now they've got, they can't strut out in comfort. Now they've got to go, hmm, yeah, dang, what about that? Now let's think, though, about a few possible, um, a few possible objections to this. Okay, so let's see. They hang you so far, and you get to number nine. And you go, okay, okay, okay. What about all that, that long list of those things? Let's think about a few objections. Here are some. I put them in the form of questions. So first, hey, aren't some of those things on that long list illegal? Another one? Don't some of the things on that list actually harm people? What about the harm principle? So here's another one. Some of the things on that list are not consensual. I mean, consent is an important principle here. And some of those do not require consent. That's bad. Okay. Another one? That's a bunch of the things on that list that are just frankly socially unacceptable. I mean, Ask around, you know, do a survey. I mean, everyone I know is against them, so what about that? They're not accepted, okay? And then finally, uh, you know, we, I don't see all those things listed as orientations. I mean, I really love, if you, you know, go to, the, go to the advocacy websites and blah, 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 and all this, and you won't see all those. No, I listed all of them, but they don't, so what about that? They don't list them, so there must be something too, right? All right, well, so let those sink in for a second. We're going to address each one, and I, and I don't have the ability or, the, or probably even the time to put a bunch of the articles up here, but along the way, I want to make, I'm going to mention, as we go look at these objections and how, what we might say to them, I'm going to mention several articles, things, things in the last at least few years that have been in the news, not all of which are, again, things that... Uh, are cheery, happy, or friendly about us. Just so let's think about each of these, okay? Some of these things, um, some of these things are illegal. Is that true? That some of those things on that long list are illegal? Is that true? Yeah, of course it is. Some of those things are illegal. Thank God, I'm glad of it. So they're right that some of these things are. Are all? A bunch of them are. A bunch of them are not illegal. And some of them are not illegal. That vote, that 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 the opponent who, who 
is making this case, would agree that we'd still say, oh, that's bad and I'm against it. But it's not illegal. So even if we set the illegal ones aside, we have a problem. But, something else though. Are, how fixed are the laws of the land anyway? Did they not change? We've seen this in our time, have we not? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. There are a bunch of sodomy laws on the books in places. Just, uh, hey, just not too long ago at all, the Supreme Court got together and made a really big change. So laws can change. The fact that something's illegal, I'm just not, I'm just not sure how much that really matters to the greater philosophical point here. Yeah, it's illegal now. And by the way, there are people currently attempting to change laws in some ways that you, you know, might find unsavory. So there's an article from the Telegraph about how in Germany it's very possible that incest laws will soon be abolished because a government ethics committee there determined that incest is a fundamental right of adult sexual self-determination. All right, so there's that. There is also a teen, this was, in, this was a USA Today story, who was planning to marry her long-lost biological father. She had been reunited to. And uh, they're trying, they were, they were last time, according to that article, they were trying to work that out in court. What's my point? Just to, just to put you off dinner? No. My point is that not only can laws change, not only have we seen them change, according to some recent articles, a few of them are teetering now, you know, and the polygamists have, have their camp. And I'll mention this a little bit later, it's extremely disturbing, but those who advocate for child relations have their political advocates doing their work, too. Now, I'm afraid that laws aren't necessarily a good thing to, uh, to appeal to. The fact that it's illegal um, doesn't, really, doesn't really help our case here. What about the fact that some of them cause harm to people? Is that true? Yes. Definitely some of them cause harm to people. But they don't all cause harm. Some of them are, you know, I mean, pardon me for saying so, but I mean, uh, lawyers uh, say, well, we may cause a little fear, but we don't actually harm people. Okay, some people who practice sort of free love, swinging and multiple partner and playing the field and so on, they say, we're not going to be one. There may be some emotional pain and heartache to someone who feels jilted or cheated on, but hey, necrophiliacs say corpses feel nothing. Okay. Yes, I know. I see that look on your face. There was an example recently of a French woman, this was in the New York Post, who claimed that her desire was only for robots. Did you see that one? You're shaking your head. Yeah. I thought this, I thought, okay, this is the onion, right? No, she's not, she isn't, she's not attracted to real people, but robots. She had one made for her and she claims to be engaged to it and now awaits the legalization of human-robot marriage and she identifies her orientation as drumroll please robosexual well. <laughs> you heard it here um, a young woman in the UK decided to marry herself I know it's silly I mean I, you know come on I don't even but, okay, so <laughs> harm, yes, some things cause harm, but not all. Sometimes it's difficult to know how much harm and what kind of harm. In other words, I don't think this is an adequate response to our argument either. You're still up against some things. What about consent? Some of the things in the list are non-consensual. Yes. Well, granted, in every case there are some of them that fit. But in no case do all of them fit. 
plenty of the things on that list that I think most people you talk to would be against are consensual things. And yet they'd still be against them. So, how about socially unacceptable? Well, I mean, I hate to be glib about it, but who cares? I mean, that's that's the most transitory and fickle thing on this whole list. I mean, socially unacceptable. Most of you can remember when same-sex relationships were widely unacceptable. And that was like five minutes ago, practically, you know, in the greater scheme of things, right? I mean, some of you are old enough that you, you, you can appreciate just the suddenness. I mean, the, the split second in which this has all changed. Young people sometimes can't because, you know, just sort of now it's the air they breathe, but if you're old enough, you're kind of like, man, this happened so fast, like, my head still hurts. I, I, yeah, it's like, Phew. It's like, man, this flew by. What? Waking up in a world, bizarre world. It just happened really fast. So socially unacceptable, that means almost nothing. I, I always, I'm not even sure that even needs a response. And then the last one, well, look, the experts rarely list all those. Well, this, this simply begs the question. Since the very challenge we posed is why they don't. You know, so this is circular to just say because they don't. That's not an answer. How would you know who were experts? I mean, you might appeal to like the APA or some other psych- psychological or psychiatric uh, group, or I don't know. I'm sure they're, you know, uh, they're. I don't know. I don't know all their names. Everybody's an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even if they got some kind of credential, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm, I. Uh, whether whether it's in the realm of I'm a sexual ethicist, that's more the philosophical realm, or in, in practice, you know, a clinician of some kind. I I treat people with you know sexual um, problems. I don't know what. Um, whoever they might be, though, the whether or not they list all those as orientations, that is the very thing we're talking about. So to simply say um, they don't, and that's your that, that that's question begging. We're we're here talking about what, why they don't, and what basis they have for, for, for privileging four or five or six of them, and pretending like all the rest of them don't even exist. I just need a good reason for that. Again, we're back to we're back to one of those questions you mentioned, right? What what's your reason for only having these and not these? Well, some of them are illegal. We've already talked about that. Some of them aren't. So what? That changes. Will they? Will you include them if the law changes? You know, uh, well, some of them don't involve consent. You know, we've already gone through all that. So, so I don't know. I don't know how or why. And, and I mean, I say this sort of toward as the last one of these to deal with in terms of these different ones. But by the way, I just, I just have to tell you also about this one. This is a this is a real this is a real dandy here. Um, <laughs> so. so uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, before I mention even that, do you know though that some people, just for the record, some, there are some voices in the culture who actually are saying, uh, they are saying, widen the, the acronym. So a few people are actually saying it. So, as an example of that, an article in the Chronicle of Higher Education, it was a blog there, revealed how some progressive campuses are opening the door to many more possibilities. The writer of that talked about the ever-widening acronym to, and they had an acronym, LGBTQQ2IA. And another campus um, used the acronym for the word quilt bag, and the H of those stand for something, and described how, um, anyway, it's, there are, they said there's a, one, they said there are a number of orientations, and then they added, it, or some, the phrase, or something else. They sort of see some of that, or something else. Well, or something else really blows the hatch open. For, I mean, or something else, that's me. Come on in, boys. Doors open. So, you know, um, again, that's a chronicle of higher education. There was a, um, there was a recent article uh, in Slate about how those who call themselves kinky sexuals, they say that kink is a Kink is 
an orient is a legitimate orientation, and they want it recognized and granted the right and dignity of being listed and called a sexual orientation. They're making their case for it. But again, most disturbing of all, maybe, but we can't we can't just look away from it. So you so I'm giving you a trigger warning on this. But anyway, uh, most disturbing of all is um, those who are attracted to children. There's a group called Before You Dash Act, B and the number four and the U dash Act. Describes itself, this is a quote. Quote, a Maryland-based group of mental health professionals, psychiatrists, and pedophiles, their word, who seek to normalize pedophilia. They would like the word pedophilia, though, to be replaced because it's pejorative. Also, the words deviant and pervert should be ceased to be used. They would like to be recognized by what they deem as their sexual orientation, which is, uh, its acronym is MAPS, M-A-P-S, which stands for Minor Attracted Persons. Minor Attracted Persons. Um, yes, they do have, uh, they do have advocates. I mean, look, I... I don't wanna, I feel like I have to keep over over apologizing because I see grimaces okay on your faces because <laughs> you're like I came not to hear this this is a uh, you know this this is ugly but you know what it's real the possibility of that change has to be put in context when when I was a college student. Um, Widespread acceptance of homosexuality, and especially gay marriage, was absolutely unthinkable because it was illegal, it was known to cause harm, and it was socially unacceptable. <laughs> and um, might be non-consensual. You go back a few more decades, and it wasn't even listed as an orientation. That's, that's before I was born. Um, not that old. But um, if something that was absolutely unthinkable in my lifetime as an adult could become as widely approved as it is that it's possible for some you know, college students today who grew up to have these things become widely accepted and are the same principles, exactly the same principles. No doubt. And that's a little bit of the alarm we want to sound. Now, even in their minds, just show them that if you don't like those things in that long list, if you've got a problem with those, if you would not want to see those normalized, and if you think they're problematic, guess who has paved the way? Guess who greased the uh, the, the, the alley? You, you know, they're, Miami, it, it's like in curling. You know those guys run along with the broom? You get the picture? <laughs> you've like, you've swept this alleyway clean so that these are, I mean, certainly, <laughs> you know. And, it, and again, and I, I'll, I'll, and I don't know if this is the next slide, but I, I will mention this in a second about, it, it is here. I want, I want to say, and this is the this is the second one of those. Um, I'll do the second one first, just since I'm on that point now. Sometimes if you're talking about this, someone will say this. Oh, here we go with that Slippery slope fallacy again. You ever heard that one? You guys and your slippery slope argument—it's a fallacy. Well, there is such a thing as a slippery slope fallacy, no doubt about it. But there's also just a slippery slope argument, and furthermore, there's more than one kind. What I have laid out here is not really a slippery slope argument in the sense it's usually meant, because in the sense that it's usually meant is that it is more predictive in nature. And, you know, I'm uh, not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I've been called the son of the sun stuff before, but not that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though what Tom says is right in that we're, we're, we're not unreasonable to predict the possibilities of these things. I mean, it, it, we have good reasons for supposing this very well could happen. My main argument that I just laid out here is not even that, though. I'm not standing here saying, I guarantee you I'm making a prediction right now that this is going to happen. No. I don't know. 
But, but it very well could. But the, the form of this argument is more of what you might call a logical summary. And uh, it's also a little bit like a reductio. I'm just taking their logic as it's been re the received doctrinal you know, platform and, and the logic that they've been using for these years, and I'm just going down the road with it and saying, hmm, what does it entail? And if it entails things you don't like, that's on you. It's your argument. You know, I never liked it to begin with, partly because of what it entails. And so if you don't like where it goes, you know, that ugly baby's your ugly baby. You know what I mean? And you just want them to see that because then, uh, because then, you know, maybe that could give you pause enough to go, wait a minute. You know, th there is a problem here. And maybe I should rethink this. And and I didn't say that, that the thing that, that thing up top there, I didn't say, I, maybe I did say it in not so many words, but but I, 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 it's worth saying that even with the ideas of some things being illegal, something, in any case, regardless of how many things are harmful or not, by the argument, by the logic of the argument, necessarily, it would still be the case that those things are parts of those people's identities and can't change. Regardless, you know, even if they're illegal, the logic stands. Now, just that, so, but, the final disclaimer, and then we'll, we'll see if there's uh, what you have to say more about this in terms of just thinking it through in questions. And I can, by the way, go back. Sometimes people say, I've done this before, they say, go back to that slide with that argument. I can't see that again. I can do that. Just let me say one more thing here, and I think I put on the slide. I mentioned up front that even though this has been the thing we've been dealing with for years and years, that we need to be able to kind of respond to and talk about. Lo and behold, don't look now. But some people are actually moving off of it and changing their minds. And so, this is fairly recent here. Um, here's uh, Dr. Lisa Diamond, top researcher of the APA, and also I think it says she's one of the, the co-editors of everything you do. Avowed lesbian activist, she's described as, saying, quote, the battle to disprove, born that way and can't change, is now over. Uh, I'm sorry, this is this is this is someone writing about her. This is not her. These are not words. And she is telling LGBT activists to stop promoting the myth. What this means in plain English is what many of us have known all along. Sexual sexual desire that's I I cut and paste that, so that's not my screw up. Is fluid. Talk about editing, huh? This article, I cut and paste it. Uh, is fluid. Homosexual desire is not hardwired and born that way and can't change is a myth. This is coming from them. And by the way, if you if you, you can go to YouTube and this Dr. Lisa Diamond, she's got videos where she's presenting this on YouTube. And she's very bluntly just saying, Hey, stop saying, stop saying this stuff. And she's speaking to her crowd. She's talking to the LGBT kind of advocates and people that are in, on the march, and she's saying, We need to get off that argument and, and not and not do that anymore. That's not the case. It's fluid. It can change. It can go this way, that way. Uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't keep doing that. Question: Why? Why, why is she doing that? It sounds like it undercuts her argument, or their argument. Right. Good question. Yeah, he's asking why. Why would she do a thing like that? <clears throat> her claim is that they that she's saying it's science. She's saying that that the increasing number of people who basically say that, and the increasing number of people who who are, who are kind of saying, I'm fluid. And, and how about this, too? Think, think with me about what's happened in the last, just the last, uh, I don't know, maybe three years on the gender question. And I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just kind of speculating here, just, just watching and speculating. But I think that, that, the, that now, since, since you know, we talked for a long time about orientation and people's sexual lives, and that was a thing, and then that sort of faded, and gender became came to the forefront, right? So for the last few years, it seems like gender has been a bigger issue, even than, you know than that. And and in the gender debate, it's it's become definitely an issue of it's fluid, it's fluid. I mean, it's like, and I almost wonder if the flu if if the emphasis on fluidity in that in that realm 
has kind of like back filtered into the, the discussion about orientation so that now people go, well, you know what? In other words, it's almost like it's all the rage to be fluid anyway. So why, now, now, if that's true, what does that tell us, though? It, it makes me think this is more of just a trendy social thing than it is biological or something. You know what I mean? You know, I think I, think I might have answered, I might be able to answer my own question. Yeah, help us all by doing so, huh? <laughs> the Obergefell decision was based on liberty. Uh-huh. Uh, and whether you're, the question was whether are you free to marry opposite sex or marry same sex, etc., etc. And so I guess what she's saying is we don't have to argue that we're hardwired anymore. We've got this liberty interest protection. And therefore, we can simply say, uh, regardless of whether you're hardwired, we still have, we can real, still retain this liberty right interest even though we're not hardwired. In other words, we're free to be bisexual. I think, I think that, I guess that's what you say. That is a good, yeah. Once you go so far, it's no longer required. Like you had to get it to where they are now. now yeah, you don't have to right. Do that anymore, right. right. It was saying. an argument from convenience. Exactly. It's convenient, so it can go away. Now, now, now it's not necessary. And also it leaves room for more to go their way. Hmm. Interesting. These are all, yeah, I think we're learning on the fly here even about this as we, as we experience it. I'm trying to wrap my head around the desire and, and orientation and even gender as being a fluid thing. And it, it almost seems to me more dangerous because it's so it's, you're not you're not legitimizing orientations anymore. Like it's it's okay to be G, but it's not okay to be R because that causes harm. But if you're going to legitimize fluidity and be consistent, you're going to have to legitimize everything that comes with fluidity. So it's almost inescapable that R would be a part of that. That yeah. you know, minor attraction, rape, those sorts of things would be would be included in that, in that kind of fluid idea of sexuality. When fluid's just such a pretty way of putting a bow on all of that. Right. Yeah. Like it's like we talk about the diction, like pro-life or pro-choice, we would say like that is a beautiful word. See, we just being natural. It's just like water flowing. That's a great. You know what? That's a great point. The use of the language is you always have to pay attention. It's 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 so often these you know, people are wise like foxes, you know, they they know what they're doing and you're right. What is it? Fluidity. Why it sounds like a lovely creek in the springtime, you know. <laughs> it evokes all these positive kind of imagery. That's a that's a really good point. It's like the word gay itself, you know. Yeah. The new atheists yeah. attempted to uh, Get a movement going to call themselves and their adherents brides. The brides. Because of the, the gay yeah. word had been so positive. Yeah. Progressive also is another one. Like right. That. That's not self serving at all, right? They're so humble. <laughs> that 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 is so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not just that the use of language is is has, you know, um, is a rhetorical um, there, they call these philosophers called rhetorical definitions and rhetorical explanations. It's not only it's not only that, and because of some of these things, it's like it's rhetorical and it's and it serves me, you know. But usually they're meant to serve you, and and you know we have we've seen this in the media. I mean, what, what's the young celebrity? Which one was it? Uh, who just, who came out and said my orientation is pansexual? Oh, Miley Cyrus. Right. And what is that but just a one big old giant super blanket? Uh, it's, it's, it's the orientation blank check. It's like, I'm whatever I want to be today, tomorrow, and otherwise. This is just like uh, a weird kind of Pandora's box of every man does what is right in his own eyes. Tuesday, you know, and then Wednesday a different thing. I mean, how much, and, and I've heard a lot of commentators like Mulder say this repeatedly, that there is one form of liberty in our day that trumps all others. And this is it. This is the freedom you dare not trample over. And we want we want such freedom here that's like the freedom to leap tall buildings. I mean we, we want we want Uber ultra mega liberty here in this domain so that a person can do and be whatever that person wants at any given time. 
all parameters off. It's, it's really a march straight on back into into Sodom or into the caves or I don't know into into the barnyard. I mean, I'm not sure how to describe it, but but if that's where it's going, and and you know to the point as well, I'm glad you brought that up about the idea that when you say, look, th- this is this is a well oiled machine and a purposeful movement going way back. You want more on that? Just talk to the guy in the corner. There. He's got the right the other day, right? You went through the background. This didn't come out of a vacuum, and this wasn't done in a corner. These guys were organizing early on. With how many points was it they had? Like, here's how you win the culture. They were like, well, in the one article, the overhauling of straight America, there were six um, six points. They had another list of five sub points too. But it was things like make Galen normal, make the make them look like victims, make the victimizers look awful. Yeah, have yeah. good characters on TV that are yeah. positive. It was so prophetic. I mean, you read the list and you're like, check, check, yep, this happened, yep, that happened, yep. Yeah. They 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 had their they had goals, and they met them all. But having reached their their finish line, though, all the way to the Supreme Court, and then victory. And the White House, the house is bathed in the rainbow, and it's like yeehaw, we went. And but you see, think about the mercenary element of your reasoning. If it's just instrumental only, and if it's just a gun for hire to get you what you want, and it's interesting because I I heard I mentioned this the other uh, when uh, uh, over there I was talking to Kokel uh, who spoke this morning. He's got a guy on his staff who has been on that stand to reason staff there. They they got a guy who I think they've been sending, just to learn. He's going to meetings, like he's focusing on this. And he's going to meetings with the therapist, and he's, he's learning what they're saying. And he is saying what this article says. He's saying more and more and more. They're saying this is just, uh, this isn't even fixed. And furthermore, what they're noticing is that the political advocates, many of which are, by the way, not even gay, they're just like, Really progressive people, you know, who want to push it. But he said, he said, you know what they're doing? They're using either argument, given the context and the audience, and whichever one serves them best. And his exact words were, their movement has no integrity. Like, I mean, just in terms of making arguments, and they have no integrity. They're, I'll use for this crowd. I'm going to go back to the orthodoxy of fixed. Because that works here, or this serves me here. But but then over here, I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to say it's fluid. And they're just going to just throw the law of non-contradiction right out the window, and just live absolutely self-contradictory uh, policies here, because it serves their needs. Is is landing more in the fluidity camp? Isn't that still maybe potentially a better conversation from us because we're saying what is fluid, we're also saying that, um, especially through the power of Jesus, but just through life, that means that, that this, you can make help, you can make the help yes. choice to flow back to the more healthy yes. side of the stream. It ought to. Now, let's be real for a second. Does anyone here suppose that right now, as things stand, even with the move that's starting to move toward the whole thing about its fluid, does anyone here think that? That the heart, the advocates are ready to go ahead and change their view and backtrack and say, "I'm sorry, all of you people who for years were talking about uh, gay conversion therapy—that's what they call it. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but they use that. We're sorry. It looks like people can change. Please forgive us for all those rotten, nasty, terrible things we've been saying about you. Anyone, anyone ready for that one? Anyone waiting on pins and needles? No. Again, Yuri. Logically speaking, and by the force of what you are exactly right. This new turn ought to just, we ought to be done with all that, all the vilification of everybody who wants to counsel people who struggle with the same sex or other things. We ought to be done with, with, with all that. If it's fluid, then it's fluid every direction. And, and any minister ought to be able to just say, like, I like how you put it. You know, I believe you ought to flow back this way. And who is someone else to say that's wrong? You can't do that. It's like this is a it's like this is a sieve that allows you want to flow one direction only. You can't flow back. You know, 
But, but why is that? You know, California passed a law where ministers can't even... I don't know if they passed it, actually. I'm not sure if it made it or not. Someone here may know. They were working on a law that was going to forbid ministers from counseling people uh, on sexual struggles about it. In other words, you, you, you're, it's an practice. You're only allowed to go to an official you know, therapist. I mean, nurse. ministers can't do it. This was on, this was up for, again, but maybe someone can Google or research it or whatever, we can look into it, but this is only a few weeks ago that I read this, and I don't know where it went. But, uh, yeah, they they were, they were, now, think about that. And especially if we're going to end up, if we're, if we're going to end up coming to a position in which this is, this all is just fluid and completely unfixed like this, what reason could you have for for bringing down the law like that and telling ministers, singling them out? It's almost as if you're saying anybody anywhere. Okay, sorry. Anybody anywhere is is um, perfectly free to switch, change, move, flow, or counsel others to switch, change, move, flow. Except this one. Uh, you can never flow back to. Uh, heterosexual, traditional, <laughs> sexual practice. May not flow that way. That's that is forbidden. That's the one. That's the tree that you, from which you may not eat. You can't flow there, nor can you counsel anyone to flow there. Any other way, it's like we take any, you know, take every fork in the road, every way. Not there. To me, if that's not just uh, some kind of bizarre Christophobia, you know, where you're just uh, you just hate this one thing. I mean, does anyone have any good reason why that would be? I'm sorry, I'm on a rant there. So, I want to go back to your argument. You don't, you don't have to put it up there, but I think we kind of should have understood, and you were kind of a dummy if you didn't, that that's where it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Because once you take out the objective morals and you take out the the moral giver from somewhere, then there aren't any morals, and you can't claim that any of those things are wrong. I mean, right. And really, the, there wasn't any tea in the beginning either. It was just, uh-huh. it was just the gay people, and then we added the bi people, and then we added the trans people. You know, I mean, we had to know it was going to do that. You know, I kind of thought that the uh, the uh, uh, multi partner thing would have been first with the multiple wives or multiple husbands yeah, or whatever. Kind of yeah. thought that would be right. first, but. Right, and they are working their. They are trying to work it, work the, work the, the channels too. And 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 incidentally, you're exactly right. I mean, when you say you, you had to be a dummy, look, there, this, you, this there's no genius in this argument. This is just pretty obvious stuff. There's no. Yeah. And, and by the same token, the Obergefell decision. Oh, okay. Well, if we're gonna blow it up, if we're just blowing up the whole idea of marriage, and it becomes fluid itself, and we've decided gender it doesn't matter now. Tell me, pray tell, why does number matter? Yeah. You know, again, this is just simple reductio kind of reasoning. It's like, what do you... You see, people often rush to make bad arguments that prove too much. You know? Uh, and these people have have just unthinkingly, almost like, just drawn their pistol and started firing. And they've killed... In a, you know, it's like they... I don't, I guess, and this is part of what I think we're doing. This is part of, and again, it's a simple, it's a very modest thing to do. Like he's talking about, you know, he's talking about how you, sometimes you just accomplish a little thing. Okay, it's not, it's something. It's not a be-all and an end-all, but it's something. And it matters. And it's good, at least worth thinking through. And it does also kind of like defend truth. And and if nothing else, it also takes some, some lousy ideas that are, that in the end I think no one wants wants to hold, and it just it throws them out of the way. It casts down something that is a that it, that is a falsehood. And you know, and I, I, I didn't make the I didn't make the hundred disclaimers that that, that, that Tom made the other day. But, but but needless to say, I think it, it it should go without saying that. Look, our greater goal of mission in life isn't to win this some kind of argument or to uh, just to make this case. Like, all right. Our work here is done. <laughs> you know, so that we no one's empathetic evolution. This conference has been about 
lots of specific things, right? None of which, um, none of which encompasses or encapsulates the Great Commission. <laughs> none of them is. We would be fools, obviously, and theological uh, freaks to uh, to mistake any of those for that. But all of them are important, right? I mean, we live in the real world, and it's a, it's kind of a messy and complicated place. And it, hey, these are, these are things that currently in our time and place. They're up there. They're, they're top ten things. You know, they're they're in the they're high ranking in terms of what you have to deal with and talk about and work through, and that you probably ought to know something about and be conversant in. And hopefully, if nothing else, us um, just working through this got your wheels turning. You see a few things. Maybe there's some things you can use. You can formulate good questions for other people in your workplace or school or wherever. If if you should find yourself kind of up against it as the token. Um, bigoted meanie, you know, in the crowd, you can start to ask some good questions that might might awaken the, you know, the uh, the corpse of their reason, because this is certainly a culture that thinks only with its feelings and only for about three seconds. And it's kind of like Dallas Willard once said, uh, reason is a voice that all of us hear, but a bunch of us just don't listen to it care- as carefully as we should, you know. Um, it's a most, one of the most basic forms of very general revelation. And a thing like this can kind of, it, speak, it, it speaks to them a little bit. There's a little bit of revelation. Any other uh, questions or comments before we wrap it up? What do you I, got there? I found the, the uh, state bill, or Senate Bill 1172 in California, bars licensed counselors, including pastors, from assisting youth who want to change or reduce their same-sex attractions. Okay. And it was recently upheld or over the, let's see, it was it was upheld by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Yeah. In what August. a shock! The old Ninth Circuit. Yeah. You can always count on them. So it's it's minors. Okay. It applies to minors. Okay. Right. But you're. But bar, it also applies to the counselors. Yeah. Counselors okay. and pastors. So. Okay. Yeah. Right. Very nice. There you go. For just all you know, it only takes one little ten second conversation time sometimes.
for your decisions, but if your decision puts you to be okay with the consequences, then I'm going to support you on that. But you realize the consequences of your choice, based upon what we grew up on and, and you know, our beliefs, and that's what you should, and you're still willing to go down that route because it's going to make you happy, knowing your consequences in the end, then that's on you. I'm going to support you because that's what you feel is going to make you happy. But I know what I believe, and I'm going to still believe that way. That was my response to him. I, and from then, he's like, wow, you didn't tear me down. You didn't, you know, talk bad about me. You didn't shut me out. At least you just heard me out. And I think, like you said, just listen to me enough. But you didn't, I guess, close the door in my face. But at least you heard me out. So that was my response. And you knew how we grew up. You know, in the, our belief system, it still hasn't changed for me. The consequences are still the same. But if you're willing to make a decision knowing the consequences to come, then okay. I can't fight you anymore. You know, I can't have anything back to say. That's how I feel. Or maybe there's an example of how something felt good one day, but then it doesn't. That's the same thing. What changed? That's the, that's the road we've tried to go down several times. Yes, I mean, just to echo that too, like, like the rapist, it feels really good to the rapist. Like that, that is cold water. But also, right. I think you saying too, like I had a student, I, I teach guitar lessons, and I had a student that came in had a terrible day, clearly. So like, hey, how was your day going? And she said that she got cheated on. And I was like, oh, wow, well, that's horrible. What happened? She was her girlfriend. And she hadn't told her parents yet. Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't take that 30-minute guitar lesson to unpack this argument. I unpacked the fact that no one should treat you that way. Yeah, because you're a person right. and you're mm-hmm. like that. Those are the things that build those relationships. Sure. Like, so never forget the fact that it's it's a person. Well, yeah, we're talking about some some Christians, and even though this wasn't our subject, I mean, we probably can reiterate it. Given the that it's that it's important enough, there are some Christians. We all we all um, we're most of us raised up in it, you know. So there are some Christians who even now uh, kind of think that that this is the unpardonable sin, the unforgivable sin. Um, we sort of have to teach people um, the truth here. And, and look, you could ask most Christians, do you know anybody cheated on their spouse? Do you know anybody like that? Ran around, did a little bit? No, you do. Did you, did you shun them forever and bar them from your life and tell them they may not ever come back and don't ever darken my door and you're not allowed in my church? But did you do that to them? Probably not. Maybe a few people did, but probably not. I know people all around me and people who know people all around me who does that that kind of stuff. Some of them are ministers. Hello. Why didn't you? Oh, I just didn't. Ah, but someone turns up and says they're gay. That's different. Is it? I, I mean, so, you know, we got a little learning to do. Again, some of this is social because uh, people have always run around on people. And there's always been adul- adulterers in your midst here and there. But the gay thing used to be out of sight, out of mind, and kind of and now it's in your face and all that. So this is social. I don't think it's biblical, you know. That is to to set apart gayness as, as some kind of distinct, isolated thing like, oh, you can get by with anything you want. Not that. You know, it's like, you know, well, it, it's, it's not always honest. And, and, and some preachers uh, find it easy to just rail against gayness, but they haven't mentioned divorce in a decade. But that's what's but that's what's ripping their church up, and that's what you know that that's the that's the dysfunction that's running wild in their group. But they never talk about that. You know. But there is one thing that's different. The last verse of the uh, the, the downward progression that Paul lists in, in Romans one is not only do they practice these things, but they um, but they proclaim them as good. Yeah. And we have not in our culture got to the point where running around cheating, divorce, and so on is, is considered morally virtuous and something to be right. celebrated. We have gotten to the point where gayness is celebrated. And um, and we should always lovingly accept the gay person in our church, but we cannot go as far as agreeing with the gay agenda that says that gayness is good. But right. We do have to keep right. that distinction. Yeah, that will that will forever remain such a such an important distinction that for some reason it often surprises me. We have a hard time getting that. Doesn't seem that complicated. But yeah, and, and your friend and your friend, of course, that's a whole different ball of wax, and it's a difficult. I mean, I I think I think is I don't I don't see how he builds any moral system whatsoever on empathy, which right. is just a which is just a byproduct of the evolution of of hominids like ourselves. It means nothing. I, I could. 
my response to that might, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say this, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, snide or whatever, but you can just say empathy. So what? Who needs that? I don't even value that. Why should I? It's just another emotion of monkeys like us who walk upright, you know? What is empathy anyway? It's just a habit of, of people who, whose genes made us this way, you know? So. So after a three-hour conversation yeah. that's uh, leading him through, you do good things because you feel good, ergo your, yeah. your virtue and your, and your yeah. whole moral system is based on what makes you feel good. So your deciding virtue is selfishness. Yeah, and this is the guy that looked at us and went, "Yeah, I guess that's true." <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's good to get an honest, you know, that's a little victory, a little honest confession. But, yeah.